0: It's a lovely turn by Mason Mounds, and that's the goal that Chelsea wanted. And it's the first goal in the Champions League for Mason Mounds, and what a time
1: to score it. Porto 0 Chelsea 1, Mason Mounds on target for Chelsea.
0: Here's Ben Chilwell, he's in, can Chilwell get the goal? He's around the goalkeeper and he walks it in it And Ben Chilwell scores in the Champions League for the very first time, and that's a massive goal for Chelsea.
1: you scored and got an assist
0: what beast every other inside that's what this podcast is now
1: <laughs> i do you know what? I almost wore an Inter shirt for it but i was like, <clears throat> i'll uh, i'll save i myself but i mean i assume I assume automatically that these conversations are now the intro,
0: yeah of course.
1: Well, it's me, Jay McIntosh, with Daniel Charles. We, we used to do like coordinated intros, but now we can just sort of introduce each other. Um, <clears throat> do you want to talk about the game? Inter. So, what what did
0: Inter do that was so special?
1: Oh mate, you should have seen Lukaku's pass for um, Lautaro's goal. It was, that was a thing of beauty. Um, I just just obsessive with those two, but into in a tough place mate so they're, they're gonna they're gonna lose some players shame yeah we well, talking of losing players uh Jorginho, man of the match thoughts
0: jay you need to apologize because you've got a disgusting agenda you filthy human being you the claim that you would you would actually lose with what was it? You'd rather lose with another player than play Jorginho. And now Jorginho is officially the man in the match because you've been embarrassed, you've been shamed for your agenda, your bias, because Jorginho was quite clearly the greatest player on that pitch last night. What have you got to say for yourself, Jay McIntosh?
1: I, I actually am stunned that he won man in the
0: match, you no. Know. I don't I, understand what game they were watching. I mean, I really don't. Like, of I course, the right. they were both all right.
1: I thought cover was better, personally.
0: Do you know cover, what I mean? cover ran. Cover ran a bit more, but that's not a yeah. common. We're not doing the same thing again. We're we've won. We've actually fine. we've got two. We've got positive things to talk about in this podcast.
1: <sighs> okay. It was um, a good result from a poor performance, kind of how I'm looking at it. I I did not enjoy watching that game whatsoever. And I can't believe that people are saying that it was a really good game. It was just... it I, <laughs> We got the result.
0: Do you know, I have to say that you were partly to blame in like the first 10 minutes why I wasn't really watching the game. Because I had your watch along on for the first 10 minutes. And I kept looking at my computer and I kept having to remember that there was a game on in front of me. Like, I was like, I, kept, I was saying to my dad... I, like, there's actually a game going on. Like So I, I threw my computer down and eventually got myself into the game. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. It For large periods, I thought our passing was pretty much horrendous. Um, yeah, it's quite ridiculous how clinical we are without really a clinical striker. Um, two wonderful moments of attacking from Chelsea. But really, it wasn't a good performance. Um, but I sort of come away from it going at this point of the season in the Champions League, does it really matter anymore? Like, I'm just, I think I've accepted now, and I tweeted this out, I think I've accepted now that we're not going to see great performances. I think partly because of the time of season it is, partly because of the issues that we've discussed widely on this pod in certain elements of the pitch. It's just about fine margins and, and it feels like Tuchel has got a very good side or a very good setup, I think, for Champions League football. It's all about those key details in games fine margins and we're getting those right so I, I don't think I can personally moan that much um, I do worry a little bit more say in the Premier League games than the cup games because um, I think Chelsea have to be a lot more daring in some of these games um, maybe in the Premier League but in the, in, the, what do you call it, in the Champions League and the FA Cup I think we're a lot more suited to, to this more reactive style of play
1: uh, I don't really know I don't really know what to make of last night's game. I'm, I'm just happy the result worked out because I, I can't believe Porto didn't score. I'm so stunned. It wasn't even a good defensive performance. I feel more it was just lucky.
0: Do you feel... I, I, am I going to be giving, giving Christensen more praise <laughs> than you in this podcast? I felt the defence was... I think they were asked to do a lot last night and I think what they had to do was they did well. I mean, I think that Christensen was probably the best out of the back three. Um, there were some key blocks of in there. Um, I felt the two best defenders or the three best defensive players on the night were the two wing backs, Reese and Ben, and Mendy. Mendy once again proving. Have you seen this stat? I saw it because I was uh, planning to do a video because there's been more like uh, Donna Rumor talk, and I saw this stat from Expected Chelsea. Uh, go and follow his account. Uh, that was going into the amount of clean sheets Edward Mendy has this season. Most clean sheets for Chelsea in a single Champions League campaign. Edward Mendy now has seven this season, his first season for Chelsea. Uh the other top the the, the top four, three of the top four below Edward Mendy for seven this season, or of course Petacek, Petacek in 0506, uh Petacek in 0809 and Petacek in our Champions League winning season. five clean sheets. So I think it just shows you, once again, Mendy, for me, was alert. He sort of saved us a few times. To be focused, to be there in the right moments. And I think that he's transformed that area of the pitch so wonderfully this season. And um, he's been the best signing. I don't think that's up for debate, really, in terms of the summer signings. And it's so ironic that the signing that probably had the least hype around it, the least attention to it, has actually turned out to be the most important. You reckon it
1: had the least attention to it?
0: In terms of hype, in terms of like how much we paid, yeah, there wasn't like. Of course, it was a it was a key position we all had headaches over because we felt you need you bloody need to get a keeper in. It was a spin
1: bowl, wasn't it? It was a spin bowl. Like it caught you unawares as to who they decided to bring in. I, I, you know, I've banged the drum for Donnarumma purely because I think long term, it's a smart decision, just because of his age and experience. It's almost like putting Declan Rice in goal just for more experience, and. but Mendy's been, he's just been flawless, pretty much. Besides a, a few mistakes, which is OK, because it's what happens when you're a goalkeeper. He, he's been outstanding. I still, I, I, I honestly, I don't think he's a world-class goalkeeper. He's just a very good one. And that's that's my only difference. I really don't think he's a world-class keeper. I think he's a very, very, very good goalkeeper. Um, the system and the defence deserve a lot of credit for those clean sheets as well. Obviously, he's had to make certain saves. There's been games where... He's only had to make one or two saves. So, you know, he, he does what he has to do. It's like a striker counting penalty sometimes. Like you count it, but it's not maybe the full picture. Whereas Donnarumma, I do think he's a world-class goalkeeper and he will be for the next 10 to 15 years. And that's sort of the the difference on the two. I, I I want to be a bit more long-term plan. and And Mendy's been brilliant and he deserves all the praise, adoration, love and respect that he gets because he's transformed that position for us. It's just long term. Well, keep keepers are much more long term than than other players, aren't they? But how much better do you see Mendy getting? Like, how much that, you, did you watch? Um, have you watched the PSG versus Bayern Munich
0: highlights or anything? I haven't. yet. of course. You know, very much annoyingly, it was on at the same time. Fair enough. I was speaking but, to some PSG fans earlier in the day, and they were quite nervous about the game.
1: They got, they got fucked, mate. They got I thought it was. Great.
0: I thought it was typical PSG. To see them go two new up and you think, Oh, here we go, this is their big night in Europe <laughs> and in and like, oh it's two two.
1: Bayern are unlucky, man. They took thirty one shots last night. Calon Navas was unreal. He's so good. Neymar's passing as well. Oh I love Neymar. I just don't like his attitude, but his ability is arguably the best in the world besides Messi and yeah, besides Messi at this point. Just I just he's just a bit of a strange player. But, oh, my God, his passing, bro, his assist for Marquinhos is absolutely disgusting. It's so good. And Kimmich as well. Kimmich, I bang on about Kimmich, yeah, because he's the best. He created 10 chances last night. That's seven more than any player on the pitch. Ten. Ten chances, bro. And I have to watch. I'm not going to say who I have to watch, but I want to see that. Do
0: you know what scared me was watching Real Madrid Liverpool and seeing Real Madrid's midfield and for some reason I'd been stupid enough to forget how good their midfield is. Oh, that's ridiculous. And I'm like Are we playing in the same competition? It does it does sort of feel like that's my concern. I know we all want to play Real, but I'm like Yeah, we I, need Ka- we need L- Kante L- we, we 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 need Kante back. We need we desperately need Kante back against that midfield free man.
1: But Casemiro and Cruz are, are are like twenty nine thirty, they're not like past it. And the way that they play, especially Cruz like you can age into that position quite nicely. Modric is a lot older, but when you're that intelligent and you just your chemistry is so good, you're going to obliterate other teams and that's what makes me nervous because porto they they actually did play well. I thought they'd done themselves proud, but I'm not surprised that they didn't win in In the same vein as I'm not, I'm not surprised. Well, I'm quite surprised they didn't score. I think they should have scored, but their performance was very erratic. And, you know, I thought Chelsea's was lethargic. I thought Porto were quite erratic. There was a lot of like loose balls. There was, you know, fierce sprinting, but then not much coming from it. You know, a couple of dives here and there.
0: I mean, they didn't have their two best attacking players on the night. So that's probably yeah, why the they didn't next have...
1: Yeah, they scored the... 40% of their goals as well. So that's
0: probably why they didn't have the finishing touch, which, you know, as going into next week, despite being two new up with away goals, that's going to be the the concern. I think that, you know, Porto obviously, and I was obviously, you know, texting during a game with you, I, I felt that Porto had obviously watched what happened against West Brom. And I think yeah. they saw what the frailties are in our team. They pressed the midfield too and our front three were completely isolated for the exception of the Mason goal, it felt like. I mean, the the space between... There's been so much discussion since that game about Kai and Timo, which maybe we can get into, but I don't think that front three was exactly helped last night. I think they spent large periods of the game. It felt like for large periods of that second half, we just literally were getting the ball back and booting it as far (laughs) far down the pitch as possible.
1: Well, it's the limitation of the system, isn't it? When you play with that flat pivot and then no sort of central 10, which is fine because that's sort of the makeup of the, the, the formation. But it, yeah, it means that there's no like link between the midfield and the attack. And, and that like, I've, I'm going to, I was thinking about how to tweet this because I know I'm just going to get heat. But with Jorginho, like, I like him and I actually think he's a good player, genuinely. I was really annoyed about the West Brom game, but that's, that's because the performance was so bad. He's been excellent since tuchel has been here. But primarily the two things I struggle with him the most are well actually there's three things. One, mobility. He's just not very mobile. Two, I don't really like watching him. I I know I know that sounds like quite petty, but aesthetically it's not for me. Which doesn't make him a bad footballer, it's just not for me. There are certain players I don't like watching, certain players I do like watching. And then third and most importantly, it's just I get so, so frustrated. Because I know how good his his ability to play the ball is, that I just I say it all the time. I just wish he was more expansive. I would be so okay for him to give the ball away if he was consistently trying things. Like I know Cruz is like one of the best midfielders of the last decade. Well, actually, since two thousand, actually, because he's got a World Cup, four Champions Leagues. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing the guy hasn't won. But you watch the way. It, that Cruz expands the pitch, right? Whereas Jorginho you know, reduces the size of the pitch and concentrates the play. And and sometimes that can be quite limiting. And I think you need then to have the ability to switch and turn to playing a more expansive game, which he doesn't maybe seem so willing to do. And that's why I get quite frustrated. the same with Kovacic, like an um, amazing dribbler, press resistant, and someone said to me, I'm not going to name names, someone said to me. Um, it seems now that if you're press resistant, that makes you a world-class player in Twitter circles. And, you know, Kovacic can't really defend too well. He made a couple of good tackles last night, doesn't shoot at all. And it's just, there's just frustrations with those two players. Like they're, they're both technically very gifted. Kovacic, again, put up brilliant stats. Jorginho put up good stats and got an assist. Like it's just sometimes it's why stats can be misleading, especially if you watch it week in and week out.
0: Yeah, I don't think either of those midfielders, I can truly say, I don't think you can say they were bad. You can't call them, I don't think off the, I don't know what UEFA are doing, you know, happy to see Jorginho given a a man of match performance. And maybe for some people, that's the way they're thinking. But I don't think either of those two can be called influential last night in the sense of creatively, because that's their, you know, they're. you expect both of those players to be better offensively, you know, I'm like, what are your strengths in your game? It's going to be more creatively than it is defensively, and I don't. But you'll think get a even...
1: backlash for that because Jorginho got an assist, and it was Kovacic's long ball that Corona fumbled that allowed Chilwell to get through, and mm. that's kind of where the frustration and the argument is. It's like mm. Jorginho. But they don't got do an that assist.
0: enough. They don't do that enough for me. Like, there's not that doesn't happen consistently. Like every, as I say, I think I said this maybe in the last pod. Every five games, either of them will do something that you think that's exciting. That's what I want to see you do more. And they don't do it consistently enough for me. They don't play those passes enough. So that's where I think both of our frustration with these players comes. Is like, you've quite clearly got it within you to do that. Um, and there's neither of us are calling these players useless. So I think that's, we, we've just got back to where we were the other episode. I want to talk about Mason.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Mason because I want to talk about Mason as well. Because currently, if I can get the page to load, I think there's, I've put around 6.5k likes on my own head. Because I said he should be captain as of next season, (laughs) Um, and I actually believe it. I say what I said, what I said, and no one's going to change my mind. Maybe vice captain for for next season, then captain the season after. Firstly, let's address his goal. Now, on the stream that I was running, the debate was: was it a lucky finish? Was it bad goalkeeping or was it an outstanding finish? Now, I I like to lean on the side that I think it was just a simply outstanding finish. And he I believe he fully intended it to go there.
0: He makes the goal for himself. Um, it's not one of those where it's part up on a plate for him. The turn is just sublime. It's extraordinary. You know, it's a, it's a game-changing moment. It's the first time Chelsea have been able to press up the pitch. And he said it himself post-game. The moment that space opens up, you know. So many times I see Chelsea players get into that position and think, "I'm going to try and pass it. We're going to try and pass the ball in here." It's that ruthless side that players in this team need more. That Mount showed there. The moment that space opened up, it's like a striker. He just went right far corner. He saw Carrie Kane score a similar goal at the weekend against Newcastle. The moment that space opens up in that far corner, I'm hitting it towards that corner. It was it was a precise finish. I know you could every now like everyone analyzes goalkeepers to the nth degree now with every single goal and I do get a little bit frustrated at times because it's like sometimes a finisher sometimes a striker or whoever's striking a shot sometimes just a really good finish you know and sometimes I think players deserve more credit for that and I don't want to take that away from Mason you know that game was lacking inspiration attack-wise for Chelsea. It just was. You know, watching that first half an hour, I was very concerned because we were being outplayed, I felt, from Porto. You know, I felt they were the only team really taking control of the game. And the first time Chelsea string a few passes together because I think with the, talk about the shape and the system with the false nine as well with Kai in the game, I think this, when you, especially when you don't have Kante on the pitch to break up play and create those uh, counter-attacking opportunities, this team needs to control the game. It needs to pass the ball around. You know, it can't hit teams that quickly. So um, the first time that happened, it's just a wonderful moment. And once again... I mean, Mason Mounts, Chelsea's player of the season. I mean, I, I'd argue just give it to him right now because I, I think it's a bit of a waste of time even doing a vote on it because it is, it is you know, and if he doesn't win player of the season, you might as well never do the award again. Um, yeah, 100%. He is, he, is levels, he is levels above every other player in this squad. He is levels in terms of consistency. For me, the period, and it sounds a little bit silly, the period that wins it for me is December and January. That's the period that wins it because when a majority of the players... It's an old expression, down towards a load of players went off form drastically and it was all going, for a lack of a better term, to shit. Um, he was the only one that maintained those levels, um, was scoring big goals and he's only gone from strength to strength since then. He has consistently put a run of form together for such a young player. The only one, as we were just talking about, that comes close to Mason in terms of impact consistently for this team is Edouard Mendy. Um, I think Thiago Silva, yes, in terms of how good he was at spells. But I think the fact that we spent so long with him, especially in some big games without him, and we've seen the impact of Christensen, Rudiger, it, that's not taking away from Thiago Silva's individual performances. But I don't think you can call Thiago Silva a essential player to this team anymore. Mason Mount is an essential player to this team. He just is. He's the only player I trust in big moments to step up and we've seen countless moments this season where he's the guy changing games he's scoring big goals um he's further up the pitch so you see that pressing and energy but just that intelligence and spatial awareness and being in the right place at the right time and the technique which is just wonderful as well um he's a ridiculous player at his age he just really is and what he's doing at the moment is just um extraordinary and i i i'm Sick and tired of trying to caveat everything with Mason and trying to sort of like um, bring up stuff that's just irrelevant to this conversation. Mason Mount is Chelsea's best player um, in terms of quality, in terms of mentality, in terms of consistency, in terms of what I expect from a Chelsea player. I don't think there's any more we can say about Mason Mount, um, really. And um, I'm a little bit tired of certain media outlets that I respect putting social media terms in their headlines when they talk about Mason Mount because at this point you're just perpetuating it um there's no more that Mason needs to do to me
1: name some names
0: we ain't going down that road baby um um yeah that's the way that's that uh, for me Mason Mount is 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 Chelsea's best player and um great to see him score
1: it's a different it's tough because it, you, basically the argument is always about semantics isn't it like is Mason Mount Chelsea's best player? Arguably, yes. You'd probably get most people say it's Kante. Is is Mason Mount Chelsea's most important player? Hundred percent. Is does uh, does who like which player embodies the the values that we would like to uh, like assign with the club? Mason Mount as well. And this is like this is why I said Mason should be captain. And all of the comments that I say ninety five percent of the responses I've got to that tweet and there's about three hundred and something responses have all said. No, it's too early. Don't add pressure onto him. Don't do this. And and I'm, I'm kind of sat here thinking, like, the captain sees a reward for the pressure that he's had to deal with. Like, I'm not putting pressure on him by giving him the captain's armband, I'm rewarding him for being able to navigate his way through that pressure. Like, he's carried the team for two seasons. Genuinely, he's absolutely carried the team for two seasons. Him, it's been like him and someone, usually. This season, it's been mainly him. Last season, it was Pulisic towards the end of the season. Uh, Tammy had had a very strong start to uh, last season. He's just been absolutely instrumental. And it's like, do I see Aspi playing week in, week out next season? No. Do I see Thiago Silva playing week in, week out next season? No. Do I see Mason Mount playing week in, week out next season? Yes, I do. Do do. Do I think Thiago Silva's done enough in a Chelsea shirt to deserve being the captain? Not really. Aspy, yeah, fine. I'm, I'm 100% okay for Aspe to be the captain, and then Mace when he plays to be given captain if aspe's not on the pitch. That, that seems respectful and, and probably the sort of uh, most appropriate way to negotiate the passing it. of the torch over the season yeah. next season because you yeah. expect
0: Dave probably that next season is likely to be his last season at Chelsea. You'd expect. So we've been saying that
1: for a few seasons as well. I, I genuinely don't know why Jorginho wears the captain's armband sometimes. And I don't really understand why Kante does either. I, I, I sat here thinking before we record the podcast that sometimes I sound like, like you know, the Yadars on Twitter. I, I think I sound like one of them sometimes. and I don't necessarily mean to, but it's like, well, I love Kante, but I don't, I, I kind of, I believe in emblems. I can't help it. And I think the captain's armband really does represent something. And I want the person wearing it to represent what I think the club is. And there's no one that does that more so than Mace. And that's kind of my opinion. It's like, well, maybe maybe it is too early. Okay, fine. But what pressure is given in the armband, adding to the pressure he's already had to like, solve? Like This is a guy that was you know 10 goals and assists or 12 goals and assists last season, the first season in the Prem, which is very good. It's better than Madison. This season, he's already got five goals, five assists in the league, maybe more, don't know. Got another goal, first goal in the Champions League, in like a stage of the Champions League that a lot of Chelsea players have never played in before. And then the debate as to who plays for England has shifted. It's now, I think, almost the consensus that Mount is going to play and that he deserves to play as well. Tell me where the added pressure is coming. Like he's carried a team that should like, demand so much for two seasons. He's been the player of the season this season. He's changed the debate around who starts for England. Everyone, apart from a small section of Chelsea fans, don't rate him. That like, everyone else rates him, sorry. Like, there's only a small section of the Chelsea fans that think he's not very good. And I'll name names if I need to. Do it. You actually want me to do it?
0: Well, this is you know, this is this is what you wanna do. Like if you you wanna do it then go ahead, man.
1: To be fair though, are we are we saving I'm kind of these names that might come out, I'm kinda of saving for the worst Twitter account of the year award.
0: Yeah, okay, let's let's save it for that. Let's you know, let's let's save it for that. That's that's coming soon, baby. I, I think that um as well the point you made up, like the narrative over the, the summer was uh Kai Timo Zash coming into this team, Pulisic was wonderful at the end of last season debates over Callum you know all these players all these attacking players and you were there were debates over oh you know does Mace get into this team you know what's it going to be like for the young players within this squad to deal with all this you know massive you know pressure of of course and scrutiny of, of the new signings coming in can they compete with these players and Mason and I also think last night was a prime example as well Rhys James just going you know they set the level and. Timo, Kai, Ziash, they haven't reached those levels this season for various reasons. But Mason is a guaranteed starter. He is the first name on the team sheet week in, week out. I watch football. You know, I, I watch, you know, Mason Mount. I see how key he is. And um it's it's brilliant to see as well because it's just a little bit more obvious now because he is scoring those big goals. I think that's what he needed to for the more for the more simple minds I think in terms of people who only really care about goals and assists to really show on top of that he was an excellent player before that he was excellent Chelsea before that when he was playing as a number eight and a 4-3-3, but even more so now when he's getting those big goals away to Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, I think he's the top goal scorer under Thomas Tuchel so far in terms of since he arrived in January. And that doesn't surprise me. It took him like one week to become essential to Thomas Tuchel as well. <laughs> and I think we all we all knew that was going to happen because yeah. um, just the evidence was there. So the quality of Mason. Another player I want to speak about is Ben Chirwell. Oh, Wonderful. Boy. Wonderful. Ben Chirwell... Uh, the spirit of Fernando Torres coming down and 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 going into him as he took it round the keeper. Have you seen
1: Aaron's edit, by the way? Yeah, yeah. So good. If you haven't seen it, like, go and check out Aaron's edit on Twitter. I, you'll find it on my on my Twitter. I'll link it somewhere. You'll get you'll see it.
0: Fifty million pound has just been repaid. <laughs> that's,
1: mate, he had a he had a seriously good game. Four tackles, interceptions, two dribbles, and a goal. Like, that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Like. I'm so happy for him. I really I was talking to um to Dami and Dami, you know, he was saying I still can't quite put his finger on Chilwell and I, and I was saying, you yeah, know, trust me, he's a very good player. And it's it's one of those things like just I, I trust Ashley Cole when he highlights a talent. Um, to say this guy's got some tools here that we can work with. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just gotta trust it a little bit. Chilwell's come from a, a place where the system is so uh, ingrained in Leicester and that everyone knows what they're doing and it works effectively more often than not to a turbulent Chelsea season. And I think he's been okay. He's struggled at times and adapting, and I think people need to cut him some slack, he's he's our age. Do you know what I mean? Like it it I still feel quite young, it's not it's not that easy to, to play that role, uh, especially when you've not played it before. But goodness me, it makes us feel good after we said Chilwell should have been on instead of Alonso against West Brom. Because he had to finish those chances. And then he comes on and well, he plays against Porto and scores. And he had a decent game. Um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on Chilwell because I don't want to add fuel to the fire and talk about it. I just kind of want him to quietly get on with it. Whereas with Reece, like like we're talking about with Mason, I think the argument has now been... Pretty securely made that Reese is the number one right back for England as well now, which is st-
0: stunning. Really, well, he's, he's quite clearly better defensively. Like he's just—he's someone you can trust. I think in a back four and also a back three. I'm not quite sure what Southgate's going to do at the moment because over the international break he tried the four-three-three. I think I would
1: still—I would still take Trent though.
0: Yeah, I would as well because if you play him as a wing back, he's probably got more protection and he can probably or get a up to the field. Mid. There's no—there's no denying. Trent's talent right and that's that's something that I think has been quite silly as you know as it always is in terms of a binary thing of saying a player's good or bad um I just think Gary Neville made the best argument to me in terms of why Southgate even may not take Trent which I actually think silly I think you'd still want him in a squad but may not start Trent in a massive game and he said we're coming up against say France in a semi-final again and Mbappe or a wide player for one of the big nations who plays as, as left wing for germany sane for instance who do they want to come up against as at right back in a semi-final where in european competition in, in international competition it's defined a bit like the champions league in those small moments it's not defined by total football most of the time especially after a season it's going to take a lot out of the players it's defined in key moments of games and personally i think there's a reason why i think nearly all of those attackers would say I'd rather have Trent because this is the part of Trent's game that has been quite obvious for a few years. I remember when Chelsea played Liverpool, Sarri season, I think it was and Edin scored that wonderful goal, and I was watching it. I was at uni at the time and one of my best mates Liverpool fan and we were watching a game together and I said Trent's the one player that if I'm going towards this Liverpool team and that was when Liverpool was starting to find their flow under Klopp and I said if there's one player I want to attack, it's going to be Trent because he's constantly out of position. And Carragher's done a lot of good analysis. Uh, Alex Scott as well. Ashley Cole too was speaking about Trent's movement. And Reese is just the complete opposite. You know, defensively, which once again these things that get demeaned in football because we love seeing uh, attacking fullbacks now. It's such a big part of the game. But you need to defend. You need to be able to defend. And Reese just, yeah, sure, he's got more protection with Dave behind him. But physically, the way he bossed that game last night, um, just focus. Both Ben and him were just one-on-one. They were brilliant. Um, just those, once again, those fine details where you have to be spot on, where potentially you could give away a penalty or, you know, you could make that mistake that cost your team in the Champions League. Immaculate. And uh, Reese is another man. Like, he, he's... He's... A bit like the the a majority of the squad really struggled during that winter period, where he got injury and an injury, I believe, that took him out for a few games. Um, but he's found form again, and he's found you know got to remember that he wasn't really starting for Tuchel in his first few games. So, and now he's once again you're like who plays right wing back? It's going to be Breeze James, isn't it? You know it is, and I think Ben's Ben's now asserted himself at left wing back because Ben, I could go f- through several weeks of form that we've been speaking about on the podcast. Uh, Liverpool, Man United. Um, he didn't play either of the Af- Atletico games, but he played against Leeds and I defended him there because I you know, I felt that he, overall he was still defensively doing a lot for Chelsea. Um, and again, away with England, he had a really good international break and he's come back and he's had a really good game last night. So Ben is just good. Reese is good. I think they're so key defensively to the shape of the system on a night where Chelsea weren't at their best, as we've discussed. And, and that's a, such a key thing. Um, going forward in those fine moments and defensively I think both players deserve a lot of credit
1: yeah and just just to say as well it's not like English bias on this podcast it's just those players happened to stand out last night the most and you know this season once again the best players in the team have been the boys from Cobham so it's like uh, how else do you actually address that issue apart from being head on like the best players come from the system because of all the things that we've spoken about over the last few weeks really it's it's it just means that bit more and that's kind of why I'm I'm quite keen to give like here a shot next season, for example. Because I just think I just think he deserves it, man. But with Trent like he needs the gimmick treatment. Like he needs to move into midfield. He'd be brilliant in there. Do you know what I mean? He would be so good in midfield because he can defend just not very well. But in midfield, he might have a bit more time. And he can his his ability to pass is so good. I just don't think, as a right-back in Klopp's system, he's going to get tanked. Because he's not actually that fast. And he's very, very weak. He's not a particularly strong player. That's such, I mean, if you get someone like Mbappe in behind him, they're just going to rinse him. Because they're lightning fast and very strong. And also technically amazing. So... Trent's going to struggle. It's going to knock his confidence. Reese's doing really well. Um, But I don't really know what else to say. I'm like, how are you feeling ahead of Palace?
0: Hard to know because you expect, once again, quite a bit of rotation. Um, I don't think Kante will be starting. And I actually don't think he should be starting because... It's a vital game for Chelsea. There's no denying that. I mean, I think that it, it's a game Chelsea simply have to win. With West Ham and Leicester playing each other, I think on the Sunday. Um, with what Chelsea, what happened to Chelsea last weekend in the Premier League. There's no messing about. Um I had a discussion with someone on Twitter about this on Sunday night when I watched Man United win and go like, I don't know, ten points clear of us, nine points clear of us. And I said, you know, there's no we said this on the pod last week, there's no excuse for Chelsea, they have to get top four with the squad they have and I don't want to hear anything about it It was it was mission impossible because Chelsea put themselves in control of the top four race and uh, West Brom Palace Brighton these are games that Chelsea had to get nine points out of we need to get six points before we face West Brom I'm sorry not West Brom West Ham away on the 24th so um it's a big game for Chelsea um it's a game Chelsea should be winning I'm just intrigued rotation-wise what he does you know does he bring back Marcus Alonso does he maybe bring Callum back into the side um I don't think players like Timo Werner should be starting that game um in my opinion I just think it was a point I was going to bring up I just don't think and it's it's a fair point. anyone alongside Mason Mount at the moment in that front three it's up for debate it's up for debate every single game when I'm doing previews on my channel I'm like I'm shrugging my shoulders I'm like I don't really know because no one's asserting themselves in that position I'd so like I'm... Tammy
1: to have
0: a shot. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think t- either Tammy or Giroud deserves a start in this game for me. Um, and I think that Timo's had so many chances to... I do think it's fair to point out that as I said at the start when we when we started discussing this game, I said that um, the front three weren't really helped out in terms of getting the ball to them. I think if you play Cover and Georgie once again, I think the same thing probably will happen against um, Crystal Palace, actually. I, you know, I don't... I um, think that's going to change, to be honest. And also, I f- I'd like to see maybe Callum as the left-winger because I'd, I I think he deserves a start. He hasn't been starting at all. I think hopefully he's been recovered. Pulisic recovered quickly. Um, so potentially... I know we have we've we discussed Pulisic last week, but just Ziyech too didn't feature at all last night. So you've got some fresh players you could bring in there alongside Mason.
1: I'm too worried to play Pulisic. And yeah. I'm not convinced that Ziyech has been that good.
0: I'd probably go what we were discussing the other day. I think uh, Callum Mason... Yeah, and Tammy. Tammy, probably. Or Giroud. Or Giroud. Like,
1: English bias. Yeah. English bias. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yadar FC podcast. background Over, again. <laughs> overhyped. <laughs> overhyped
0: FC, baby.
1: Billy Gilmore in the midfield. Oh, I actually would play Billy Gilmore. I well would play. Played.
0: I was really upset when he wasn't. I was stunned when he was I in was the squad. I was
1: pissed. So pissed, bro. So pissed. Oh. It's because, you know me, mate, I'd rather lose with players I like than win with players I don't,
0: so. He keeps on saying it, you know.
1: <laughs> Does he?
0: No, 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 We're I'm people. saying you, and I'm saying you keep oh, on saying it, right, so right, you're right, making right. it pretty clear.
1: You know, people as well aren't going to understand, basically someone, someone, I don't know who it is, tweeted about the, uh, this podcast. And it got sent
0: to me by, um, I don't know if I should say who sent it to me, but someone who is obviously listened to this podcast, I get on well with, sent it to me. I felt it was a win-win situation actually because I didn't say it, and also the person sent out the link. <laughs> <laughs> the person sent out the link, so it was free promotion for me. So I was like, free advertising, was, free advertising. This is a win-win I've situation.
1: Been, I've never been so reactionary as I was again after West
0: Brom. I'm I've just, been listening. I was listening to that podcast so back, you, and we were we were like, I have to say, we were going in.
1: Yeah, I know, mate. I I I sat and thought about it, and I was like, oh, de- I was definitely hot-tempered, but
0: don't regret it. I, I,
1: no, definitely not. I said, I said, yeah, back it. Still, I, I would like to see Gilmore. I do think it should be Tammy Cho and Mason as the front three. I can't believe Hudson Doyle is not getting minutes. I think Timo is really struggling repeatedly. Like, I don't think he had a very good game last night. Um, I liked, I did like though that, uh, you know that sitter. kind of missed, but it was offside. Like, not too long before that. Uh, opportunity, Timo had really fumbled his dribble
0: but we should, but he shouldn't be there he shouldn't be expected, this is my point we failed with Timo Werner if he's near the halfway line trying to take on two or three players he shouldn't have to do that either he's personally doing that himself and he can't do it or he's dropping so deep because he wasn't getting the ball, we failed the object of Timo Werner if he's that deep that's not why he should be in this team um, he shouldn't be having to do that you know, he should be on the, the on the shoulder of the defender on the left side, either trying to get at the full-back or one of the def- centre-backs trying to get closer to Kai. And when we get possession in central midfield, our midfielders should be looking up and trying to find the ball to Timo Werner consistently.
1: Imagine Kimmich and Timo Werner.
0: You imagine Declan Rice and Timo Werner. Oh, yeah. Do you imagine yes. uh, Billy Gilmore and Timo Werner?
1: Just name English players. Do yeah, you just... imagine Trevor Chalabar and Timo Werner? <laughs> Calvin Phillips. Drinkler. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll just keep going with sort of that mm. but average and mark noble oh, mark noble would love him probably hate him actually but anyway my point was is that post fumbling that dribble i i, I like the fact he's alert in the box and he played the ball across to kai and yeah it was offside but he he beat the defender to it and that to me was like yeah no shit his game is to like beat the last man at that point and he'd done it again and I, I really can't help being optimistic. He's got until uh, the January transfer window for me before I come down harsh judgment on any of the new signings. Because I, I think everyone deserves 18 months.
0: But do you think he's going to start about like, it just seems at the moment he just starts every game.
1: I think that's a show of faith though from Tuchel. I think it's saying to him like, we're willing to support you through this tough time because you still do have 20 goals and assists.
0: But isn't at some point... What, this season? Yeah. He doesn't have 20 goals for Chelsea. I know that. 20 goals and assists combined for Chelsea, okay. he does. We're combining all the... Uh, he's got well, 20 haircuts. Goals and, you, he, 20, combine, we got 20 haircuts goals assists, as well.
1: You? you combine goals and assists, don't you?
0: Okay. Um, but I I felt that like... But do you mean, okay? Actually, I think taking the pressure off him would probably be a smarter move. I think that in a player who's better on transition say on Saturday you start with Giroud or Tammy, we maybe go 1-0 up and we're in control of the game and maybe there's a period of the game where Palace start to press at home. That's where you should bring Timo on. Space opens up and we can play maybe a little bit more on the counter if if the game goes in that manner. Um, I also just think, I know meritocracy and all that stuff get it's brought up and we, we are dealing with a manager who freely rotates game by game. So we're not dealing with a set starting 11. Um, I just, as we've discussed on the pod before, I just, I I wonder what players like Tammy and even Callum are sitting on the bench and thinking, well, I don't quite know. If I was having this performance, I'd be getting hooked at 45 minutes.
1: You see what I'm saying? I I said Callum should have gone. This is my whole point as to why we should have sold Callum Hudson-Doy. If you're not going to invest the time into a player that could be one of Europe's best, what's the point in him saying?
0: At what moment are we going to give Callum the run in the team that he probably needs. Like he's undeserved. a guy he's a guy that needs, I think, five games in the team in a row to least. Not half an hour, not one start, and then he's completely out of the team, doesn't even come off the bench. Mason has got to where he is because he's a consistent starter. And it just seems like with Callum he's not afforded that time. I think it's actually the same with Tammy Abraham as well. Um And Callum, I think, has been shifted around positions. And it felt like when Tuchel arrived, Callum was going to be like a pet project for Thomas Tuchel. Like, I'm going to really try and develop this attacker into something brilliant. And I don't think Callum has done anything in his own own performances to me to justify him being out of the team compared to other attackers. That's a strange thing, in my opinion. Like, the Leeds performance, in particular the Everton performance, was really impressive. I know, of course, the... Sheffield United game, you could point to and go, he started at right wing back. But I, I'm sort of a little bit tired now of seeing him, him at right wing back. I think he needs to be further up same. the pitch. um Left wing, when he, when he played against Everton, he was wonderful. So I, I don't know why he isn't starting more. And there's no, it's the same, anybody, any of the attackers who are not playing at the moment, there's no one in front of them that's like stealing the show apart from Mason Mount. So there's two spots up for grabs every game. I think both Callum and Tammy and Giroud and Ziyech and Pulisic can all sit there and go, why can't I start the next game? What's the excuse for me not starting in front of uh, Kai and, uh, Kai and uh, Timo?
1: Yeah, man. Especially, like, I think... I think Callum's the most... He He has the biggest claim as well because... Yeah, it seems as though we, when two came in, we were all like, oh, right, this is it, Callum's going to be unlocked and evidently what it is, is Mason Mount is taking the show. <laughs> Fine. But, yeah, Timo, Timo is not ready. to like. To, I don't think Timo's got it against Palace. I ho- if he plays, I I hope he scores. I really, really do. But I don't think he deserves to play. I said Jorginho didn't deserve to play off his I mean disgraceful performance. I don't think Vern has been disgraceful, but his performance quality has been poor and I don't think he deserves I think he needs a rest. I wouldn't play him I wouldn't play him against Porto in the Champions League either. I would play Callum still. Or Pulisic, but ugh, Pulisic, sorry. What had wait, how am I meant to say it? Yeah, no, you got it right is the it first it? time. Pulisic, right. Yeah. Um again, Pulisic is made of wet paper so I'm, I wouldn't play him against Porto because they're quite a rough team and they'll just snap him did you see him like, he, got,
0: but he, he literally came on and in the first five minutes he got absolutely I thought bro, he was dead I thought he'd been killed as soon killed.
1: as he came on as soon as he came on I said this is a terrible shout <laughs> literally he got like speared straight away like, talking oh, about man.
0: Wrestlemania uh segue uh really versus Kepa I, I, I enjoyed the build up to their match on Sunday um <laughs> we didn't. It all gets see to me. Like, let's do the reverse narrative because the narrative is going to be that that gets forgotten now because we won. I don't want to forget. By I, 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 I love the fact as well that Ben Shewer was like throwing air punches at Kurt Zuma for a laugh in front of the cameras on Tuesday as well. Your opinions on that incident?
1: My opinions have been influenced. That's kind of the issue. From. <sighs> From a, from an individual that from knows the very
0: well.
1: yeah, from, from the ITK yeah from um, the ITK, and it's 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 kind of people think Rüdiger's a bit of a bully in and around the squad, from what I've heard. Um, and this is not the first time where he's thrown in a very dangerous challenge in training. This is now the fourth or fifth time he's done it, and he's done it to youth players as well. And it's a bit like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, Rudiger is not an intelligent footballer. He, he's, he. I think he's a bit dense.
0: He uh, said it, not genuinely.
1: me. I, yeah. And I, I don't think he's actually a particularly intelligent footballer. I think he's very much a... Um, He's very instinctive, isn't he? Like he follows his he follows his own instincts, and that has worked more often than not, especially under Tuchel. And I, do you know, what I love about him. I like that he shoots from distance. I really like it. It's great. Um, but I just think sometimes the heat just needs to be turned down a bit or channeled in a way that's more effective. As we've spoken about before, Chelsea's need for a few bastards. We've only just we've just got hot-tempered guys like. I, I really think it needs to be channeled. You know, everyone has opinions on Kepa and he's gone through an awful lot, but let's be real, hes hes he was anyway a particularly arrogant guy. And, you know, I imagine that when you get two people in, in, a, in a headspace that maybe isn't overly welcoming, they're going to clash. And if you're throwing in a huge tackle on a goalkeeper,
0: like, what are you doing? Because apparently it started on Saturday on the bench between them. Apparently they shared because apparently Kepper and Rudiger are obviously the most vocal on the bench. I wonder psychologically for Kepper, someone who probably still feels isolated, how an incident like that's going to make him feel. Um, he needs and, to go. Yeah, he, d- he does need to go. But um, it's weird because you're like Rudiger has on the pitch responded as I wanted him to when all that noise came out in January. Um, and it was the thing I said at the time, as someone who was always more favourable to Rudiger, I was like, you need to prove your worth. You know, you need to prove that whatever happened, whatever did or did not happen, you need to prove that you're worthy of being a starter in this team if that's what you believe. Um, and he has, you know, he he's... That back three is the best back three Chelsea have currently, and Rudiger's a massive part of that. His performance levels on the pitch have been brilliant. But it's that other side of it too that we know about um publicly also people who know stuff is that there is a side to rudiger's character that is confrontational and i don't think that's all negative in an elite sport you know elite sporting environment um but you know there's no smoke without fire and i think if the same individual keeps on if it keeps on happening at once you can maybe dismiss as you've discussed multiple times it happening um And Matt Law wrote a really good piece when Tuchel arrived that, like, Rudiger can be a great friend or a very bad foe for a coach in a dressing room um, during his career. So, at the moment, he's quite clearly on the right side of that spectrum. I'll just say generally, in terms of spats around Chelsea, just to finish this point off, is that... And this is going to sound really negative after we've just won a big game, but (laughs) I, I think that just what happened earlier in the season, there'll be a sense as, happened, as has happened recently in Chelsea history for a lot of the time Abramovich has been here is that behaviour gets vindicated and justified by decision-making of the hierarchy. That's what I will say. Um, so don't be surprised if things happen in the future that have happened before. That's what I'm going to say on that. Um, and why it gets back to my trust level and players in this squad that why Mason Mounts the player I trust the most.
1: Yeah. Mate, I don't know what to add to that. It's just more... Just, I just think there's some characters in the dressing room that wouldn't be my...
0: You know, I wouldn't have them in there personally. But Let's talk about Chelsea women. Go for it. 6-0 against Birmingham. Uh, Sam Kerr just... She wakes up. She <laughs> scores goals. She goes Scores home, goals, yeah. Wakes up. <laughs> scores more goals goes home uh, I did see on Twitter and I think the before recording this podcast there's I think the Chelsea Women's Social posted this um, about oh, what a good platform that is it, really good to... I mean I, I've heard it's good I don't know the people involved <laughs> but I've heard it's a really good site you should be following um, yeah. about the scheduling of the Man City game of course that had to be rescheduled, rescheduled because of the Champions League semi-final um, that's a bit like for Chelsea against West Ham. That's a massive, massive game in the context of the Women's Super League.
1: Yeah, it is, mate. It's I, you know I'm not going to get into like discussions around like scheduling stuff and and the the issues around that. I think it's been covered well by people that know better than I. Um, and you can go and check out any of the content uh, that Chelsea Women's Social run to find out a bit more uh whenever Rob Prattley speaks about it as well he's he's excellent at you know really giving exact details what I want to talk about and I want to talk about her again genuinely I want to talk about Sam Kerr what signing in men's and women's football in summer has had a bigger impact than she has at Chelsea
0: yeah I mean anyone that comes close is um I think you'd say Panel Harder. You took you said at Chelsea, you I I thought you were just isolating it mean, down like, to Chelsea. In you you know, made, world football. In world yeah. football. Which, I which mean, players I,
1: have made the move that have been more influential and in something Because when you look at the game against Wolfsburg, right? It's it's the quality of Panilla Harder and Sam Kerr that take you over that edge. Which which players have had that effect that have been bought in? I, Ruben Diaz definitely.
0: Yeah, Ruben Diaz felt like a has been a wonderful signing for Man City. They've, You know, the defensive issues they had last season have sort of been rectified this season and they're going to win the Premier League title. Um, I don't think there's tons of the big moves that happened last summer, a lot of which were Chelsea's, that have worked out. Like Thomas Partey for Arsenal has not worked out in terms of his injury issues and I felt that would have been a really good signing for them. Um I am you know, struggling to sort of see what one you'd go. Yeah, obviously, it seems to have been players that have already been at that club for a while, maybe a couple of seasons who are really thriving. And maybe that's a case of just the situation we find ourselves in with, with the pandemic and how that's been difficult for players coming from abroad to adjust to a new country, whether they are moving to England or away from England uh, with different circumstances around the world and, and probably not having family and family. Glenn Hoddle made a really good point pre-game on, on BT yesterday where he was, like, was talking about Timo and, and Kai and how do they have family over here with them? If they don't, that's going to be really hard. With lockdown, they can't go out for team meals as much as maybe they could to socialise with the players and maybe get, you know, the friendships and, and maybe the the unity that you'd probably need in a normal season and, and would come very naturally in a more normal time. So I, maybe that makes Kerr harder, sort of in, you know especially harder because, of course, she came in the summer, um, even more impressive. I do agree with you. There aren't many big signings from last summer that have really taken a team from one place to another, have there? You know, there haven't been many obvious ones. The
1: elevation that those two have Mm. added to the team and the the way that the players have reacted and and adapted to those players has just been utterly phenomenal. Like, a first-half hat-trick, I'm not even surprised. I'm, I'm literally not. And... It's a shame that we, we spend so much time talking about the men's game because it seems so complicated and and it's not like we don't want to give more time to talking about the women's game. It's just more...
0: They're just so it, good.
1: It, well, yeah, and it's just consistent quality. It's like, yeah, okay, they've made a catch. Okay, catch, 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 catch. Like, they don't actually fumble. They've fumbled once this season. That's it. That is unreal. And, and it's really it's really hard to, to know what to say that's refreshing about this team. The the most refreshing thing actually is the way that 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 team is snowballed into building such a level of gravitas around them that they they're engaging more fans than ever before. And that's that's massive. It's huge stuff. And and also I wanna I want to shout out uh, Beth England as well. Because she she's a bit of a forgotten horseman in, in the Chelsea team at the moment and she is Oh, she's bloody brilliant mate she's really good and every time she comes on and plays I'm really impressed with her and she got an assist as well if I'm right uh, in the 6-0 and it's very easy to forget that she's a world class striker and would, would play for almost every women's team give or take a few that would have that position covered Do you
0: think they're going to spend again this summer? Because they seem to every year the Chelsea women and sort of the argument could be at the moment. I know this is always a a false game because you do always need to improve because this game is rapidly improving as well. Just generally, the infrastructure of the game in this country is improving with the new TV deal next year that's coming in. That's going to improve the the investment and the attention on it. Um, it's always a always a scary, um, always a, a silly thing to say. There's nowhere we need to improve because that's when you fall behind. But given where the women's game is, given where Chelsea sit in the English game, um, is there anywhere? To improve this squad because it just feels so perfect and so, as we said, I think we said this last week, it's so there's no um, dead weight in this squad. There's no. It's very efficient, isn't it's it? It's very efficient. It, it seems even the players that you'd call rotational players or sporadic players that come in every now and then fill their roles wonderfully uh, to a great level as well. So I, I'm not quite sure where they'd go out to investors as heavily because they've invested heavily on the attack. Players like Kerr, Kirby and Harder that you think can go for years.
1: Yeah, this is like the one, this summer transfer window is like the one where you can let the team marinate for a bit longer. Uh, it is always good to bring a fresh face in and, and rejig, but it seems as though it's not really any improvements you can make. I really like um, Pop from Wolfsburg. She is so good. If you can get her in somehow, get her in because I like her. Um,
0: and the hashtags for the women's social as well that you could make up
1: mate that's just what I'm saying there's loads of marketing opportunities that you can make up um we've obviously got the best keeper in the world centre backs yeah fine maybe maybe you can upgrade on Millie Bright I think that'd be harsh but I think you you possibly could I'd rate Ericsson more so personally uh the midfield is nuts and the attack is crazy. So, you know, it depends how ruthless Hayes wants to be in pursuit of real glory. Because if Chelsea win it all this season, then then definitely you need to buy someone because you need that reinvigoration. Because you see what happens to teams when they win everything; they just drop off. It happens. Just, so, it depends what stage they get to in the Champions League. If they can, if they get to the final and lose. It's
0: gonna be that motivation narratively for next season.
1: Yeah, yeah. You brings someone in, the last piece of the puzzle kind of narrative that okay, now now watch. Like we're going for it. Because especially if they don't win the Champions League but win the league again, I would be so fine with Chelsea coming third in the league and really roofing it for the Champions League. And and being being you know 2-0 up and aiming for 10 every time and that's what I like about them as well you know they don't stop scoring when they're, they're winning very fun team so I don't know something to keep around in terms of who they're going to bring in who they could bring in because identifying replacements is very difficult it's not like the men's team where you can very clearly see there are a few positions that need uh filling but you know I, I wanted just to say yeah big up big up Beth England she's good G have you seen G's pass in for international in the internationals oh it's unreal she's so sick as well like Chelsea's getting close to fielding like a world 11 in their team <laughs> do you know what I mean it's you kind of can't help but think is Emma Hayes trying to just put together like a world XI in a blue shirt like maybe and Chelsea can afford it as well it depends how far they go man but they're, they're, they're doing alright aren't they they're doing alright let's an example I mean, is there anything else to cover? What? Uh, yeah, I don't mean, it's, it's just, is it like more? Boy, I don't understand.
0: You can, you, there are matches, you can win titles. Predetermined, right. of course. Um, let's go through the WrestleMania card and I'll give you my <sighs> predictions and, and Jay can sit here. Uh, I'll give right. you mine as well. Okay, so wait, wait a minute. Wait, has it not happened, yet? No, it's this weekend, two days, Saturday and Sunday. It how do you not notice, Jay? You got. You, I thought you were a man on the pulse of uh, the zeitgeist of society, and like you knew, you knew what was Sorry. going on. Okay, Sorry, so
1: I feel like wrestling's quite associated. With, you know, I'm not going to say that cause it's rude. <laughs> go on, carry on. <laughs> I was okay. going to say something very dodgy. Then go on.
0: Okay, night one in. Uh, night one on Saturday, we've got. Uh, for the WWE Championship. So, Jay, this is like the big title in WWE. Yeah, I know what that is, yeah. I know that and the tag team.
1: It's the current champion,
0: the almighty Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre, who can become, I think, like a third-time champion this Saturday. Um, It's going to be like a a big-boy heavyweight match. Um, and I think that's the main event for Saturday so who are you going for Bobby Lashley I, I did an edit where Kepa was Drew McIntyre and uh, right. Rudiger was yeah, Bobby
1: Lashley uh, I'm gonna go for the McIntyre man
0: McIntyre man wins uh, Smackdown women's championship women's championship uh, yep. Sasha Banks who's the champion versus Bianca Belair. There's a lot of hair in this match. I'm not, I'm not being sexy. like they're just they're part of their gimmick, especially there Bia, hair, yeah. Bianca Belair, is, is, is part of her hair. So, like, that'd be interesting if there's any cool spots there. Who are you going for, Jay?
1: I'm going to go for Bianca.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Bad Bunny <laughs> and Damien Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. You definitely know who The Miz and John Morrison are.
1: Um. Is, uh. Does John Morrison wear flares with no shirt? Flares? Well, maybe. I don't know. I actually don't know who they are.
0: Okay. Well, who are you, is the bad bunny man going to win?
1: I thought he was a singer.
0: Yeah, he is. But he's in a match for some reason. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, he's in a tag team match. It's quite embarrassing, but, you know.
1: Wow. Um. Well, it'll probably be him then, won't it?
0: Yeah embarrassing win all round cesaro versus seth rollins
1: i don't know who either of them are but i'm gonna say seth
0: okay another long-haired man wins against a bald man royal Ooh. tag team championship the new day uh, versus aj styles and almost <sighs> so, that name is so bad AJ, aj styles, styles. AJ Styles name? is a is aj styles is an epic man he he i love AJ, a bit of aj styles he's one of the best what, wrestlers what would be ever.
1: your wrestling name
0: uh my wrestling name and i've stolen it from chris jericho is a uh, jack action that's my that'd be my name you sound like you're gonna do <laughs> Okay, I think that's where we actually end today's podcast. Oh, yeah, that'll be Um, cut out. He's ruined ruined it. He's ruined it. He's ruined it.
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, but it does. Jack Action.
0: Yeah. Chris Jericho was going to be called Jack Action instead of Chris Jericho. And he was told, no, that's an awful... He was told by Lance Storm, that's an awful name. You should be ashamed of yourself. And then he called himself Chris Jericho.
1: Lance Lance was correct.
0: Mm. Well, we've done some WrestleMania predictions... Um, Jay, do you want to start World War Three by calling out any more Twitter accounts? Because you you, no, you teased no, I'm not the doing audience. It. I'm gonna
1: save it. I'm gonna save okay. it for when we do the Other Sunday awards.
0: Okay, so just a little bit of shameless self-promotion for what you guys can expect on a podcast. Um I teased it, I sort of released the the, the, the... <laughs> For all
1: five of you that are listening after the for word For all five, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> we're looking for sponsors on on this podcast for the future, so if anyone's out there wants to say... Um, anyway uh, so future podcasts you guys can be excited for obviously post game we're gonna be doing that for the rest of the season but we got some special sort of like episodes that we've been sort of planning one of them is the every other Sunday in the multiverse of standards so basically what this will be is a what if podcast and basically going through key moments in modern Chelsea history and asking and sort of theorising what would have happened if it went in a different direction, positive or negative. Yeah,
1: and do you want me to say, uh, well, we've already said as well, we're going to do an every other Sunday awards at the end of the season. It's not like
0: like the boring awards, it's actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. definitely not. I also, obviously, we're just riffing now. I reckon we can do like, we can let, if we come up with a poll... And then we can say which award did people want to like be included then whichever one's the most popular. We can do that. But I am sorry for my expletives. I couldn't help it. I really couldn't help it.
0: Ashamed to yourself. You, you've you in this podcast, you've said you'd rather lose than win with players, no, no, you're, you're no, all no, no. Agendas, your awful agendas, your English you know, bias, you know, revealing yourself to be a Yadara as well some people, people
1: like actually i say some everyone that listens to this podcast is, is genuinely lovely Like, i've had so many nice messages from people and they've got to listen to me drivel on
0: about just
1: to be fair though when it gets like post an hour i'm kind of like <laughs> have
0: this is this is the part i love this is the part i love of the podcast it's my <laughs> favorite part of the podcast now. where it just goes people, off the rails and we have nothing to speak about
1: people have probably gone now
0: like finally what are you drinking because you brought I didn't start recording when you announced what Uh, what, whatever you're drinking today this is another part of the podcast
1: I was drinking a a raspberry and lemon tea what were
0: you drinking I was drinking a a cap a small cappuccino and any oat milk no you make me sick what what do you think almond milk I'm a big fan of in my protein shake but um, oat milk milk slaps (laughs) it does it really, and also it, my, my Gymshark water. Tank.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Wrap it I'm, up, sorry for every, I'm sorry for everyone that's had to deal with the post-hour pod. Uh, I re- Do you know what? One day we should get like a proper editor. So then when we go past an hour, there's like a little jingle. It's like the post hour <laughs> <pause>. is. It's
0: <laughs> like when you go into, like, you know, like when you go past the curfew on TV and like suddenly it gets all yeah, like yeah, yeah. 12 awesome. o'clock on TV and it's like you shouldn't be watching it. It's like almost the TV is saying to you those embarrassing like poker shows like fast on ITV like you shouldn't be watching this. Like you should just go to bed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, if you've like the Ricky Gervais show podcast back in like whenever that came out, obviously I think that when that came out, it had like 250 million downloads or something insane like it's one that I think it still might be besides Rogan the biggest podcast of all time and Ricky Gervais used to just make up his own like <laughs> jingle for like monkey news yeah so when we get to the hour mark I'm gonna make up my own post hour pod jingle for next episode so oh, if, that, if that's Adam on it I'm gonna have to not do that because he's gonna want professionalism actually no nah, no nah, he'll like it he'll like it but it'll be palette first yeah Uh, well okay but listen if you've um if you've enjoyed it then share this with whoever might be interested if you don't think anyone you know is going to be interested don't share it then fine that's um, that's okay um (laughs) if you've put this podcast on you know and you're chilling out and you've fallen asleep and you can't hear this thanks for listening um if you want to make any bets on the WWE outcome listen to what I said because I'm an avid watcher of uh WWF and and yeah we'll be back Wait, Chelsea playing Palace on Saturday
0: so it'll be Sunday probably
1: yeah we'll be back on Sunday to uh, provide you with another hour and 15 of you know slight football chat and post chat drivel but thank you for listening uh, it's been the every other Sunday podcast I'm Jay McIntosh I've been with Daniel Childs and we'll catch you next time